Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. It's not how much money you make, it's your attitude about money. Is money a tool or a goal? Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. Hey, I'm going to start a series with you today that is something that's very exciting to me. I'm going to be using the notes from my recently published book, called Core Culture, The Tremendous Strategy of Generosity That Launched the Church. If you want to get the book, you can go to the NRP webpage or send us an email and we'll make sure that you get a copy. This is really exciting material because it's one of the things that changes the church, changes the world, and changes people's lives in very measurable ways. And the whole book is based on 39 verses. That's 2 Corinthians 8, which is 24 verses, and 2 Corinthians 9, which is 15 verses. And all 39 of those verses have to do with money. Not just money, but financial kingdom principles that are revolutionary. And so I want to give you an assignment. And you say, well, I've read those passages. I want to ask you to sit down and read them. 39 verses takes seven minutes, okay? Uh, And read them in several translations and just see what you glean. Because what is here is not just an appeal for money. The church in Jerusalem was in trouble and needed financial help. But what you see here is not just an appeal for money, but an incredible culture, a DNA that was being planted into the church. Now, here's the reality. Everybody in the world thinks about money every day. Or if it, let, let's say it's some remote tribe or something that doesn't even have a currency. Well, they, they, they think about what they're going to trade, what they're going to barter. So, so that's money. How does it affect them? So everybody thinks about that every day. Now, most Christians are tithers, I would hope. That means they're giving 10%, not just 10%, but the first 10% off the top to God. And to me, that's not even giving. Uh, The Bible says bring the tithe, not bring your money. So that's the tithe that belongs to God. And then giving starts after that. Uh, so we, we got to understand that. But everybody thinks about money. So here's the deal. If we're going to think about money, don't you think that God in his wisdom would give us understanding on how to think? That's, you know, the tithe principle is, you know, a lot of people tithe don't even know the principle that you are practicing a life of giving your first fruits to God, the sweat of your brow, the work of your heart, you are setting a standard for putting God first. And if you don't tithe, the reality is you're not putting God first in a major area of your life because Jesus said, where a man's treasure is, his heart is. Jesus said that. So you can look at a person's treasure. Now, here's the good news. You can adjust your treasure and adjust your heart and that's really what the Apostle Paul is getting here. So everybody thinks about money every day. So why not think biblically? 
These 39 verses will help you to think biblically rather than just, you know, about your own needs or uh, own circumstances or whatever that may be. You know, when I was a kid growing up, even before I was a, a believer, there were things that occurred to me, you know, growing up in the projects and stuff, uh, I would see people that just wasted and squandered money. They had no vision for their life. Their their only goal was to pay a bill and then do whatever they wanted with what was left over. And uh, my sister uh, married into a family where the father of that family worked in one of the local steel mills. And uh, my brother, one of my brothers, married into a family where the father did exactly the same thing. They essentially had the same job. They made the same amount of money. But just as a kid, 13, 14 years old, because they were older than me, uh, I could see that these families lived very different. The one family lived in a nice home, in a nice neighborhood. They didn't drive brand new cars, but they drove you know, nice cars. Uh, their kids were able to go to college. The other family lived in a nice area, but it, the house was broken down. The cars were broken down. They had bill collectors calling them. They made the same amount of money. Actually, the family that was in more desperate situation had uh, three kids as opposed to the other family with five children. And it occurred to me that it's not how much money you make, it's your attitude about money. Like, do you see money as a tool or do you see money as a goal? And I think we need to see it as a tool and T-O-O-L. And that way, we see our lives as being connected to the mission of Christ when we're investing in that. So I saw two completely different cultures, even though the volume of money was the same. And uh, I, I would make this statement. One of the concepts of kingdom finance is looking at the mission and not looking at your need, because you will always have needs. That doesn't mean you don't pay your bills, you don't live in a decent home, you don't eat decent food, and you don't have to walk to work because your car's broken down. But you know, need is pretty relative, you know, need is, need is pretty relative. Uh, you know, my son builds higher end homes and he was telling me the other day that one of the homes he's building, the people put a built in coffee maker that costs $7,000 into the cabinet. Okay. I mean, you can buy a lot of coffee for $7,000. That, that's a relative need. And you know what? That guy makes that kind of money, more power to him. But what I'm saying to you is that we all have those little things. But as we put the mission first, there's something that happens in our heart and we get satisfied. There is a satisfaction. There is a godly contentment that comes. There are things I'd like to have. There are things, oh, it'd be neat to have that, to do that. But you know what? Honestly, I can tell you, I'm content with what I have. And I was content with what I had when I had less. That didn't mean I didn't maybe want some other things or, you know, be able to take a, a you know, a, a cool vacation or drive a newer car or whatever it may be. Those are, those things are not evil, 
But what I'm saying is you can have a garage full of cars and not be content. That's obvious. Look at people who are wealthy and miserable. Why? That's because there's not a spiritual contentment. Their needs are first. And what Paul is talking about here in these two chapters is he's, he, he does talk about the need, but actually very little. I cover that in the book. He talks about the need very little. He talks about the vision, and he talks about the opportunity that is being given to the Corinthian church. And uh, we've got to grab that. And, you, and so you want to develop a culture where you see money as a tool, not just as a goal. Like, how much can I get and how much can I spend on myself? And, and you know what? We live in a very me-first culture. We're selfish by nature. That's why we need to be born again. And, you know, my pastor used to always say, when we get baptized, we should get baptized with our wallet in our pants pocket. And I, I love that. Okay, I, I think that's really true. I would make this statement. I believe money is the handle of discipleship. If you can't disciple somebody's money biblically, and they can't come under submission biblically with their money, if you as a leader cannot talk to them about their money, you do not have a disciple, okay? You have a sermon taster, okay? You have somebody that's going to use Christianity conveniently. And these things might sound harsh and over the top, but they're really not. I mean, God prescribed, for instance, the tithe. That, you know, he didn't apologize for that. He didn't say, if, if you can. It's, he said, if you don't do it, you're robbing me. Wow. I mean, I'd be afraid not to tithe. I don't tithe because I'm afraid, but I'd be, I'd be afraid not to. I, I want to give God. I, I want to give him first because I feel like if I give him his portion first, then he can do with my portion more than I could ever do. And that's part of God's wisdom. But these passages are not even talking about the tithe. They're talking about an offering. Now, what happens when you give an offering to a mission? You know what it does in a church or in a family, even when a family pitches together to help a family member or do something in their community or help a missionary? You know what happens? Your hearts start being knit together. And I've watched this being a pastor over the years. Often, the people that cannot get connected or some of the people that cause bumps and always have a contrary attitude, you know what? You can follow the money many times, many times, and you'll find out they're not, they're not invested. Their hearts are not being connected. Money is spiritual. How spiritual is it? People are going to go to hell over the love of money. And for those that don't love money, they're going to help people go to heaven with their money. So, I'd say money is pretty spiritual, and that's why money is a handle on discipleship. Is your money being discipled? Can people speak into your life about your money functions, the culture of the money that comes into your hand? I was going to say your money, but I don't really believe it's your money. I believe every good thing comes from God, and if we'd look at that as a gift, I think it would help us. Uh, I'll just end with this comment. When you read these 39 verses together, it's obvious that the Apostle Paul has a bigger plan than getting a need met. God does not want to raise up need meters, need meters. He wants to raise up givers, people that go beyond the need and see opportunity, see creative Great dynamic situations 
that are happening where their relatively little investment can make a huge difference. If you're not free to be a giver, your heart will never be free. You will never be satisfied. You will never be content. And when you get a giving church, an excited group of people, there is a certain joy that comes into that, a certain harmony, a certain unity that comes in that cannot be replicated because where our treasure is, our heart is also. Hey, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Get the book, Core Culture, The Tremendous Strategy of Generosity that Launched the Church. You can go to the NRP webpage or email us and uh, we'll make sure that you get a copy. It's worth the read. It'd be a great group study book, okay? Blessings. One of the concepts of Kingdom Finances is looking at the mission rather than the need. As we put the mission first, there is godly contentment that comes. God does not want to raise up need leaders. He wants to raise up givers. If you are not free to be a giver, you will never be satisfied or content. To learn more about this concept, you can order Keith's newest book, Core Culture, at nrpastors.com. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to equip believers to lead in every area and venue of life. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. To contact Keith or ask him a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.